Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Just a massive thank you before we start to however you are listening to this. We really do appreciate it. Just a reminder that we put this podcast out three times a week, but we don't always know which days it's going to be on. So the only way to keep your finger on the pulse and listen is to subscribe, get notifications. Why not drop a review while you're there? Okay, that's enough of that. Let's talk some rugby. I'm Ben James. I'm joined by Simon Thomas and a very special guest. We've got Xavier Rush on the podcast. We've also got Mike Phillips coming up later. Talk about an 8 9 uh, combination. You must have some tales about Mikey. I think we've probably got tales on each other, to be honest. Who's <laughs> <laughs> a good character? <laughs> Unspoken bond. They never get, they never get spoken about. <laughs> we've also got Matt Southcombe, who I believe is a. Uh, a very fine seven, so um, yes. open side. Um, I don't know what that makes me. <laughs> <laughs> a good number six looking at you. Oh, that's very good. A good number six. <laughs> a good number I'd six. be the press officer. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be in the type five. Oh, yeah, it would be. Edin Bellis. But yeah, we've got a jam-packed pod. Then I suppose we would probably start with the news of the day, which is that Wales have announced their team to face yes. Fiji. Um, a couple of changes in the back row, uh, which is your area of expertise, uh, Xavier. Um, Moriarty and James Davis in. Yeah, I think it's more um, to, to rotate players. I think you're going to have a very physical game against Fiji. I think it's to rest. You know, two players who've been playing particularly well in, in Wainwright and Navidi. Um, those two are my sort of two standout loose forwards currently at the minute with the, with the Welsh team. I'd probably want to rest them a bit. Um, I think I think Moriarty will suit this Fijian game. It's going to be a very physical game. I think it will suit the way the way he plays. And I think also um, James Davis uh, in these conditions, the very humid conditions, there's a game sort of opens up a bit it'll offer him a lot of chances to turn ball over mm. would, you, would you have been tempted to make any changes in the backs we've been talking off there a little bit about Reese Patchell I know you've got a lot of time for played really well when he came on because Australia someone that you think has got even more to come do you think yeah I, I do I'm a huge fan of Patchell I'm so happy to see him playing playing at 10 I know they uh, I think the Blues trialled him for, for at, at number 15 for a while I remember when when I when coaches tried to make me a hook and my heart was never in it and okay. because okay. yeah yeah my heart my heart my heart was never in it for, for obvious reasons for obvious reasons and um and and I could never make I I never wanted to make the adjustment I I kind of I saw that with Reese when they were trying to play him as a fifteen I thought oh this this kid's got everything to make a great ten I'm just so happy to see him now when he moved down to the Scarlets under the guidance of Stephen Jones um, and now obviously Stephen's coming to the to our squad. So I think it helps it helps Patrick having that consistency working with, with with one voice, someone who knows him, someone who knows his strengths, his areas to work on, those types of things. Uh, but he, he came on, he looked so poised, so so controlled against Australia. He looked like he'd been there for, for, for so long. What I want to start seeing from from Patchell is is you know, just that, that that extreme pace he has when there's a slight a little bit like what Bowden Barrett does for People the don't realize uh, how quick he is. He's so fast. Know. He's fast and he's not only fast for you know the first five minutes he's fast right into the 80th minute that mm. guy's fit he's he is a super athlete and he's big mm. he's big if, if, if a little hole presents himself he's gone and I, I think in these conditions um, uh, you know you, you'll see a bit of that when, when, the, when the, the game's so fast and the conditions are so humid you know players are going are gonna to drop off a bit as games go on and, and they, they will create opportunities for the likes of a, of a patch I, I see him very much as a, as a Bowden Barrett type of player where mm. you know if he gets that little that little 
little sniff of a gap, he, he could be gone. And and let's hope he gets enough chances to um to, to show that as this tournament goes on and as as his career goes on. It's like you say that because whenever I speak to coaches about Reese Patchell, they always say that what he does really well is is he forces the other fourteen players in the team to play because if he gets the ball at first receiver he can hit a gap and he'll, he'll carry himself and then on the next phase that means that a forward might have to come in at first receiver give a tip on pass and we've seen that how Wales have developed their passing game with the forwards people like Reese Patchell are probably key to that aren't they? Mm. Yeah I, I think your point there was you know there's that balance between over control and, and putting teams under, under, under pressure and I think I think you're spot on I think um, Patchell can definitely do that I actually saw a little bit, bit of that in the game um, in the weekend where England were like so controlled with, with a one man advantage for like 50 minutes of the game and it wasn't until Farrell went to 10 they scored two late tries because he, he, he was putting the other team under pressure he, as he gave a couple of lovely passes out wide where they did have overlaps whereas Ford just seemed completely content to sit back in the pocket kick for territory um, but not really expose Argentina to, to, to having one less man. Now, a man you know well, Wayne Pivak, your former coach, also coached Fiji. You must have had a few discussions with him over the years, what it was like being in Suva, coaching the Islanders. I, I actually visited him once in, <laughs> in, in, in Fiji. In, in Fiji. He, took me, he took me fishing, but the, the less we say about that, that, that debacle, probably the better. <laughs> but the job of coaching the Fijians, you've played with Fijians, you know Fijians, what, what's their nature? Well, uh, you, you, you've got to go and fit into their system a, a little bit, mm. um, uh, you know. And I think Wayne would have done that well. Wayne's very good at at reading people. I think it's one of his, his best qualities. Mm. Um, he was a policeman for, for for a long period of time, so I think you can kind of you can kind of smell humbug. You like know. Steve Hansen. Yeah, like Steve Hansen. Like Steve Hansen, and he he can kind of just identify quickly, you know, what the character of people is is like. And he's and and he can fit. He, he can you know the the one. Quality Wayne had whether you'd been in the t- team two minutes or you were a, a, a hundred cap veteran, he, he would treat you the same and he could have a way of connecting with you. And you know, Wayne actually d- did very well in Fiji for, for quite a while. Um, and uh, and he seemed to have had that effect as well as he's come over to to, to the Scarlets and, and produced some, uh, some good performances and some good results down there. So, we've said before the perception is tough boots to follow with him coming in for Gatland. Do you think he'll handle that? Responsibility and that challenge well? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I think he will. He's been coaching a very long time. He's very good with the media. Mm. He's very good with the with, with the public. Um, he's got a good he's got a good team around him. Um, you know, I I think Sean Edwards's boots are going to be very hard to are going to be very hard to fill. Mm. I think he's been, you know, when you look at Wales's you know great rise through the ranks over the last five or so years, a lot of it's got to be down to how amazing their defence has been. In fact, I think they've possibly been defensively the best team in the world when I look at okay. them I, I, I think they they can really put teams under a, a lot of pressure um, without the ball so Edwards shoes are going to be very very hard to fill for anyone it could be any coach but filling those shoes are going to be particularly hard mm. um, I suppose looking elsewhere in the World Cup um, depending on how the French play next weekend we could have a quarter we could flip final a coin. we could flip a coin on that one yeah, we, yeah exactly we could have a quarter final against France or against England and mm. England have a very big number 8 who we know quite well over this side of the border but he's uh, got a little fitness problem at the minute Billy Vinopola he's massive for how they play isn't he 
Yeah, he, he is he is a big part of how the English pack play. Um, he gives them a lot of go forward. He just gives them that consistent carrier time and time again. Um, however, in saying that, in saying that, I remember watching England a couple of years ago when you had the likes of Rob Shaw and Co. in, in the back row. Uh, I, I just I remember looking and watching their back row and thinking this is their one weakness. They had they had a Tojay. They had they had marvelous you know outside backs. You know they, they were great all across the park. But their loose four um, trio was was average. They but, didn't have a seven for ages, did they? Yeah, but you look at them now. You look at this Tom Curry. I'm a huge fan of of, of this Tom Curry. I was a little bit disappointed he didn't start at um at seven in the weekend um, but uh, and the, got uh, Underhill on Underhill, the other side underplayed, played, Underhill played very well so you've now got two real outstanding yeah. um, uh, loose forwards for the uh, for, for, for the English so you know the effect Van Apollo if he didn't play wouldn't be quite as, as big because those two are actually carrying well mm. and, and, and playing well but I think I'd still rather have him in the team the interesting thing of course is that England and France will go into that game probably knowing that whoever wins that game will probably play the second team in Wales's group which is Australia yeah now, if you're England or France, who would you rather play in the quarterfinal, England or Australia, Wales or Australia? Sorry. I'd rather play. I'd rather play Australia. Really? I, I would. I just. I just think. I, I looked at them um, in that first forty minutes. I thought they looked. Uh, they just looked scruffy. They, against they, Wales. Yeah, against, yeah. against Wales. I thought they. I, I think their discipline in general is poor. Mm. Uh, I thought some of their. Some of just some of the, their basics were really average in the um, in, in the first half. Um, just getting the ball off the top of the line, getting out the ten, it just it just looked poor. In fact, it looked like a team that hadn't been together for very long. Well, in the first, a lot of those combinations hadn't played. They together. haven't, had no, they? No. Yeah, and and it wasn't it wasn't really. I, I actually think the conditions took a big toll on Wales in that game. I think it was their first game um, uh, in that kind of humidity, mm. and we know how fit Wales Wales are, and they always always finish the game stronger than, than just about any other team barring the All Blacks um, <laughs> and, and but in that particular game they, they 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 were actually outworked in the second half and you never see that mm. and I, I put that that, out, that down completely to the humidity they were playing I think the Aussies were slightly better adapted to playing in those conditions you mentioned the All Blacks there we talked about Patchell 10-15 what have you made of this Moanga 10 Bowden Barron 15 are you happy with that? no I'm not really <laughs> no I'm not I, I just think against teams that, that that have extreme extreme line speed I just I like Barrett there um because uh, you know, as 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 the game goes on, a little hole is going to present itself, mm. and and often ten has to carry. Often your ten has to carry, and Barrett, because of his speed, can still get us over that 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 gain line a bit, or just or just work his way way out of trouble. Um, that said, he probably proved me wrong and scored three tries from fifteen. Who, who knows? But I I I think his brothers are a really fine. Geordie. Yeah, I, I think Geordie's a great number fifteen. Um, and I you know I don't think there's a lot in it between Geordie and Bowden at 15 and so I'd, I'd, I'd rather see Bowden at 10 in my eyes would you fit Ben Smith into that starting lineup? <coughs> another fine player you got too many not at the minute, not, not no. at the minute. I, no. I, I would have loved to have seen Rico Ioni um, back to full fitness and playing playing amazing um, to be honest I would have loved to have seen him in there I I, I don't no, unfortunately at the minute I don't see Ben Ben he's, he's done nothing wrong in the black jersey mm. for, for starters but I just think there's other players there now with a yard more pace um, that are that are probably just shine a little bit brighter than Ben at this stage such a production line isn't it yeah there is a, <laughs> there is 
Um, you should probably touch on your life after rugby as well on the podcast. Um, we had Tom Shanklin on the podcast last <laughs> week, funnily enough. And um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, <laughs> I, I can see this is going. Yeah, I can see this is going. <laughs> David Brent, as he calls himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he did say that if the podcast I, got I, to... I actually lived with Tom when I first came here. Really? Tom, it, yeah. Tom was the first person I lived with in Wales. He was, who who he was the most housework? He, he was thinning in. <laughs> was, was, was there not the story of the um, the, the date? Was there the date? Then he got, got stood up on a date and I think the analyst had filmed it? I, I seem to remember this one. <laughs> oh, I, 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 don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but as you as we were saying, you we were saying, and I really appreciate that you've got this hair transplant business now going. But but Shanks, you were saying, is probably beyond help, is he? Well, I mean, he, he, this, Tom looks beautiful as he is. Just with that kind of all, all year ten, he seems to be able to hold on to in South Wales. Um, but he's his hair is transparent, so I think he could be the best clinic in the world. I think you're still going to struggle a little bit with Tom. Um, thankfully, he does suit the sort of shorter shaven look and he's still looking quite buff these days so he can still pull it, pull it off but um no we are uh, we tom wouldn't be some uh, wouldn't be someone we'd be going after <laughs> <laughs> you, you've been living in wales now for well, probably 2005 you came over mm. and you spent basically 15 years mm. here you must like us a little bit then oh the welsh people love it <laughs> I, I i absolutely love the welsh people i, I think you, you make me laugh every day i'm here um uh, it's 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 been a it's been a great 15 years I, I mean New Zealand's an amazing country um, but I suppose I, after 10 years of playing here I got I, I was settled in in, um, in in Wales I had business interests in Wales mm. I, um, I've always done construction my whole career I've always mm. I was a builder when I left school and I've I, I, while I was playing I always had little developments on the go which I was which I was doing in between trainings and things and once I retired I, I continued with that the developments got slightly bigger um, and and this and I actually had a hair transplant business. I had a hair transplant myself, and yeah. then I thought to myself, this would be a great thing to bring um, bring to Wales. I remember actually um, room with Andy Powell the first time I ever played and played for the Blues, and he spent about. Or about forty-five minutes doing his hair before a game. <laughs> and I thought, well, if any place where, where where this business could take off, it could take off here. <laughs> what was Andy Power like to play with? And rumor? Is he? Oh, is he? Rumor is the bigger question. Is he, not is, he, is he literally unique? Oh, Andy is one of the most unique players I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've ever seen, and and I mean that in in the um in the most uh, fabulous of ways. Andy is is a character. As as players, you need someone you can kind of lift a. You, you, you're training you know, forty five weeks of the year. Sometimes it sometimes it's you know it, it's uh, it's pissing with rain or or whatever, <laughs> and you just need people to lift, lift spirits every now and then. I remember one time um, he ran up to Young and said, "Die, die! I, I can't make it the training." What's happened? What's happening? Oh, the, the the cat's fallen asleep on the drive. I can't get my car out. <laughs> you know, you, you have to you have to you have to put up with this kind of uh, these types of things. Oh, God. I, thought uh, it, I thought I'd heard everything. I hadn't. Heard I suppose that was quite important. Like, not maybe not cats on the drive, but that sort of you know. Was it, the, was it the old phrase, sort of, you know, like, train like a shark, drink like a fish? Yeah. <laughs> I got a feeling that one might have been coined a few times, but that was probably quite important when you sort of came over 2005, I suppose. 
Philharmonic was probably quite worn out, wasn't it? On Thursday nights, <laughs> Philharmonic, I believe. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, Wales, Wales always. I mean, Cardiff has always had a pretty lively nightlife, hasn't it? It does. It's, yes. it's. I mean, any any rugby supporter. I mean, you talk to any you know rugby fanatic. They love coming to Cardiff. You talk to any team in the world. They love coming to Cardiff. Mm. And you, you, you got to look across the, the UK as a whole. I mean, Cardiff is hard to beat as a as a as a place to live. You know, I think it it offers so much, but it's still it's easy to get around in. It's easy to mm. to, to live in. It's um, has not like huge traffic problems no. like you would see in other major centres. And you know, you're, you're close to the sea here. I think it's a. I think Cardiff is a is a, is a wonderful city. Have to send that to the tourist board. It's a, it's a great little <laughs> plug. That is. <laughs> That's good stuff. Go. I think. Um, have you got any more questions? You like no, to ask? I think I think we've exhausted Mr. Rush. He could talk all day, couldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> ah, there we go, Jess. Well, Done. On that note, I think we've got to send it down to uh, Matthew Southman in Japan. I'm Sam Walderton, and you're listening to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Okay, we're joined by our man out in Japan, Matthew Southcombe. How you doing, Matt? Konnichiwa, Benjamin. Oh, very good. Textbook Japanese. I'm learning. I'm learning, son. Sounds like it. Um, so, yeah, it's been the uh, team announcement today um, to face Fiji on Wednesday. Uh, a couple of surprises. Or one surprise, I suppose, really. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, um, it was another one where it was like when, when you heard Warren Gatlin's logic behind it, it kind of makes sense. Um yeah, Justin Tipperick's obviously been rested entirely, um, not involved in the 23, and James Davis gets a start uh, at open side. Um, and obviously the other change is Ross Moriarty coming in for Aaron, Aaron Wainwright, who drops to the bench. Um, so yeah, obviously the James Davis one caught in the eye a little bit more than than most. And um, obviously on the bench there is Reese Carey and for Nicky Smith as well. But on the open side thing, um, I think the view is that James Davis needed to get game time against... Um, some quality opposition um, just in case he's going to be needed in the knockout stages so if Wales were to get an injury or whatever um, the view was that it would have been a big ask for James Davis to come in against somebody like France or whoever they get in the knockout stages um, off the back of only having played against Uruguay so they want James Davis to get game time against formidable opposition um, and Justin Tipperick is going to play um, against Uruguay just to add a bit of experience to a side that's probably going to be much changed, I would imagine. Um, but, you know, it um, speaks to the strength and depth of the squad, really, that they don't have to necessarily, um, you know, they can rest a few players here and there and they're taking an opportunity to do that. Um, I don't think it pays any disrespect to Fiji. I think, you know, it's still a very formidable side that Gatland has named and, um you know, James Davis has got an opportunity to impress as well as um, just keep himself warm for the knockouts as well. So it's, um, yeah, it's a bit of a surprising one. But, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's a seven specialist uh, playing against sevens uh, specialists, isn't it? But, um, yeah, the logic there is just to give him some game time before the knockout stages. I was going to say, it's it's quite fitting, I suppose, that uh, James Davis's World Cup debut comes against the nation that denied him a gold medal at the Olympics three years ago. Yeah, there's a couple of Fijians in the side as well from the from the sevens team that beat uh, Great Britain in Rio in that final. 
Um, so yeah, he knows all about it, and it was it, it was brought up in the press conference today. A very enjoyable press conference with James and and Jonathan as well. If you haven't read that or, or watched the video, go and have a look at it on our website because it's uh, it was a good laugh. And um, yeah, he, he quite candidly put it. You know, we had a bit of a tune in that day, um, and then went on to talk about the importance of shutting down the space of the Fijians and getting in their faces because the more time you give the, the uh, Fijian guys, the uh, the more danger and chaos they can create. So, um, yeah, I suppose it is quite fitting in a way. And um, I don't think he's been selected because of his sevens background. It's purely, as I discussed, you know, just giving him some game time against quality, uh, a quality side before we get to, um, you know, the real, the real business end of the tournament. And you mentioned that James Davis was up before the media today. Um, it's never a dull uh, press conference, is it, when you've got someone like James Davis sitting behind that table? No, it's good, and and it was made all the better for his brother being sat next to him as well. They were both up at the same time together, and um, I remember interviewing James for one of the first. I think it might have been the first time I'd ever interviewed him was in Argentina last summer, and um, he, again that was a that was a belter of an interview. And part of it was when he said that his parents hadn't flown out because um, Golden Balls, as he put it, um, wasn't with him, i.e. Jonathan. Um, so I asked him today if he was uh, if his parents had flown out for this one, and he said, uh, "Yeah, because Jonathan's here, um, and they've got two for the price of one." He said, "I think they were, they booked it uh, expecting John to be named, and uh, now they've got me as well." So you know, it's always uh, an interesting one uh, with James Davis up uh, for press, and uh, yeah, today was no different. Even Warren Gallen had his own uh, little James Davis tale to tell, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's he's, a, he's an entertaining bloke, isn't he? You know, he's good for morale around the place. Um, He's in charge of one of the committees as well, I believe, um, entertainment-wise. So that that's uh, going to keep the squad occupied. And um, yeah, I guess uh, you know Gatlin said he's got no issue with the comment. Obviously, James said to him after he was named uh, in the side, uh, "We finally seen the light, then Warren." And uh, put a bit of a laugh out of the press room. And uh, Gatlin said, "You know, he loves that sort of thing and a bit of banter uh, floating around." So uh, yeah, no, it's been uh, been a busy morning actually, and uh, quite an entertaining. Uh, few hours speaking to the, the squad and the management obviously Ross Moriarty comes into the back row Justin Tipperick is rested but what was quite interesting was Gatlin's comments on Aaron Wainwright specifically that he has parts of his game to work on um, and that he fallen off a few tackles against Australia when the general consensus is probably that the game against Australia was a real sort of coming of age moment for him at a World Cup it's quite interesting to hear Gatlin's take on that yeah I think listen my take on the Aaron Wainwright situation is this basically uh, what Wales have got is a guy who's just turned 22 years of age and not really played that much rugby at the top level um, and he's come off early in both games and we've tried our best to get to the bottom of why that is but we're not getting anywhere with, with the management but my theory is that, you know, at the end of the day, this guy is still only 22 years of age, as I said, and, and this is the most intense rugby of his life. And I'm not sure whether physiologically he's, he's there yet. I'm not sure you can be at that age, if you know what I mean. I think the, the pace of the game and the intensity that the game is being played at is, is probably the reason why he's coming off as early as he is. I think he's probably just maybe not got the lungs in him just yet. Um, you know, and I think it, whilst it, I'm not. I'm not entirely convinced that it's specifically pre-planned, but I. I wouldn't be surprised if they're saying to Wayne, right? Look, we know that you can't 
perhaps you're not quite there yet in terms of fitness and, and doing what you do for the full 80 minutes. But if you can give us 50 minutes, go out there and just and just blow your gasket for 50 minutes and then we'll bring you off because we've got quality in Ross Moriarty on the bench. So, you know, and I think it's classic Gatland as well. He's still trying to challenge his players and, and make sure that they don't get too comfortable. And I guess in Wainwright's situation, trying to eradicate the danger of him almost believing his own hype. Um, because he has had a lot of obviously, you know, undeserved good press in, in recent weeks. So, um, you know, I think the comments about the things he has to work on is just Gatlin's way of keeping him grounded. Um, but in terms of, um, the Wainwright situation on the whole, I think it's more just a case of, you know, whether he can actually do it across an 80 minute game at this level yet. And like I said, it's not like he, they've got some mug coming off the bench for him. You know, Ross Moriarty's a lion at the end of the day. So, you know, they've got enough quality there to be able, and it affords them that sort of ability to say, you know, give us 50 minutes and we've got a, a British and Irish lion coming off the bench for the last half hour. You know, it's not, not exactly a bad situation to be in. Uh, it absolutely isn't. Obviously, it's Fiji on Wednesday, a team that Wales have a checkered past against in World Cups. Uh, I think 2007 and Nantes comes to mind. Um they looked fairly threatening in their last match against Georgia after bouncing back from that shock defeat against Uruguay. But uh, what, what are the impressions in the Wales camp and, and how they're approaching this one? Um, well, I guess I guess the message really is that um, it's about the first twenty minutes. Fiji have um, Fiji have had a difficult tournament, as we've touched on. Um, obviously, losing to Uruguay was an absolute killer blow for them. Um, but I think from a Welsh point of view, if they can win that first 20 minutes, then it will it will almost, Warren Gatlin put it, they need to try and take the excitement out of Fiji. So if in the first 20 minutes, Wales can get on top, dominate and, and get on the scoreboard early, it almost just knocks the wind out of Fiji's sails. And, and as we've seen with, with sides like Fiji in the past, if you can get on top and you can sort of dampen their spirits early, they can throw the towel in. Um, and I think that's the message, you know. But if you give a side like Fiji something to sort of scrap for and live off, you know, and, and a bit of confidence in that first 20 minutes, then it, it will turn into a very difficult afternoon. So the message really is just to get on top, take the suck the life out of them, suck the belief out of them in, in the early sort of 15, 20 minutes, and from that point on, then it, the, the afternoon should go relatively smoothly. But I think. Like I said, if, if if Fiji can stay in the game for the first 15, 20 minutes, then it will be difficult for Wales. So that's the message, really. And you know, touching on the on, on the checkered past, that you know Wales have played Fiji twice at World Cup since two thousand seven, um, and won on both occasions. It was something like sixty six nil in two thousand eleven, and in twenty fifteen they won after a short turnaround after the England game as well. So you know, it, whilst that two thousand seven one does spring to mind, it was what we're talking twelve years ago now. So um, no, I think that's a little bit irrelevant, but yeah, I think Wales just need to get on top in the first 20 minutes here and it should turn out to be a, a pretty smooth afternoon. And obviously, Stephen Jones was up for media in the last couple of days. Was that yesterday? It's, it's all blown into one day, to be honest, at the minute. Oh, oh mate, you're telling me. Um, no, it wasn't yesterday. It was the, the day, day before, before. I, was I Bobby, believe. Yeah, it was yes. Bobby Trigen yesterday, wasn't it? Um, Bobby yesterday, yeah. yeah. I guess it was a similar message for him, was it, in terms of how you play Fiji? Because... Obviously, I know, I know 2007, as you say, is, is fairly irrelevant, but it's always the cliche that Wales got sucked into playing the Fiji way. But w- w- is the message from Stephen Jones then just to go out and sort of stick to the script in terms of how Wales want to play? Yeah, absolutely. And 
um, the, you know, you can't, as, as he alluded to, you can't get sucked into trying to play play their way, you know, because that's essentially what happened in, in 2007. Wales got sucked into that game and the scoreline was, I think, 38-34 in the end. And uh, if the scoreline is anywhere near that this this week, then things will have gone wrong because, um, you know, Wales don't want to get into a game like that against Fiji. Um, and just on that as well, like Steve, Stephen Jones was obviously asked about that 2007 game, uh, having played in it. And he almost, <laughs> it was a little bit tense, actually. He almost bristled at the question and was sort of, and was quick to point out that that was 12 years ago and um, and a hugely disappointing experience as well, as, as I'm sure you can imagine. But yeah, I guess a message that um, he sort of uh, put across was that they, you know Wales can't afford to, to play the way Fiji want them to. They've got to play the way um, that they want to, and and um, and you know that that probably involves um, shortening up and tightening up and and being a bit more direct. And um, yeah, you know it's all about that first twenty minutes. And uh, like I said, if Wales can get some early scores on the board, it should um, it should be pretty smooth sailing from there. Stephen Jones was two days ago then Bobby Stridgeon was yesterday um, he's always good value in a press conference and because Wales have won their first two matches it does mean that we've had a, a Bobby Cup to celebrate yeah he's uh, he's good laugh is uh, Paul Bobby Stridgeon uh, the head of uh, physical performance for the squad um, you know I spend a lot of time in team hotels and around team training grounds and stuff at this World Cup and he's always buzzing around and He's always uh, happy to come and say hello to you. He shook the hand of everybody in the press conference yesterday, including um, the Japanese journalists that were in um, in place as well, not just the British journalists. Um, that's the kind of guy he is. Uh, but he is 100 mile an hour, um, as he said, while he's outside of his room. And then um, as soon as he shuts the door, he just stops. So the, uh, the throttle's always to the floor and until he gets back in his room when he pulls the handbrake up. So he's, uh, he's a pretty intense guy, but he's funny. Um, he's great for team morale. Um, and yeah, the Bobby Cup, as you touched on, they only get uh, once they have two wins in a row, uh, which is basically for the for the player who was the most impressive that week. And it was obviously for Alan Wynne Jones who, who won it um, last time out because of breaking that Welsh cap record against Australia, obviously, and and leading from the front there. Um, and I understand there was a few uh, they put together a few video clips uh, through the keyhole style. Um, going into the players' rooms and just generally having a laugh and a joke. And uh, yeah, like I said, it's great for team morale. It's probably, as he put it, half his job, you know, uh, keeping the boys' spirits high as well as um, giving them some pace things on the training field. It's funny you mention him uh, get, getting into his room and sleeping because I've heard he, he, he's an ad, advocate of, of, of sort of nano nap, sort of 30 second nap, sort of just close his eyes while he's standing there, uh, quick naps. But I, I don't know if that's true or not. That's, that's what I've heard. Um, well, I can't, I can't confirm or deny that, but I, I'm certainly not a fan of uh, these so-called nano naps. I tell you, when my, when my head's hit the pillow on this toy, it's been my eyes have been shut for a long period, so I'm not an expert in nano napping. Absolutely not. Um, I suppose that brings us quite nicely onto the fact that it's been a while since Wales have been out on the pitch, and they've had a week off um, to sort of prepare for this game, but also to rest and recuperate. Um, what, what have they been up to, and, and, and yourself as well? Because I, I believe you've been out on the uh, with a baseball bat in your hand. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, the guys they went to um, after the game in Tokyo on the Monday. Everybody went down to Otsu, um, which is not a host city. Um, it's on a it's on um, on the shores of Lake Biwa, which is the largest freshwater lake in Japan. Um, and there's not really a lot to do in Otsu, to be honest with you. Um, 
And I guess that was kind of the point. You know, you, you were there and you, you had no idea that there might be a World Cup going on in this country. Um, they were well away from the tournament. Um, they had they had four days off the squad, um, but there was one day thrown in there where there was optional training, um, of which uh, a lot of the players did do. Um, the bulk of the squad, in fact, uh, did some sort of optional training, which was basically doing whatever they wanted in terms of weights or running or skills or just something to get them ticking over again. And then they had a couple of big sessions then before they left Otsu um, to come up to... Um, Sorry, to come down, uh, in fact, to Oita. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a couple of days for the players to relax and unwind and get away from it because you can't, you can't stay at that level of intensity for the four, six, seven weeks of, uh, that we hope will be here. You know, you need to have days where you totally switch off and relax and allow yourself to recharge physically and mentally because there's a lot of, you know, emotional stress that goes on in, in these uh, World Cups. So, yeah, they took the opportunity to chill out. Um, Journalists, unfortunately, weren't afforded the same uh, luxury, Benjamin. Um, but yeah, so I went around and had a look to see what you could do there. Sent back a little travel package, and um, yeah, there were things to do there if you looked hard enough. But it was um, it wasn't um, it wasn't flush with um, activities. I must admit. Well, I suppose finally, there's been um, a bit of talk about the weather, which I think there always has been during this World Cup, hasn't there? In Japan, there's always been a typhoon one or another, but um, this one is threatening to derail the last weekend of matches. Um, Island Samoa is looking like it could be hit. Um, but as as a knock-on, uh, I think Wales against Uruguay is, is in a fairly similar, similar sort of area, and that could be affected. Um, I believe that question was pitched to Warren Gatlin today, and he wasn't too concerned. Well, look, like you said, you know, you can't also, you can't expend too much emotion on something that you can't control. So, you know, they'll prepare as if they've got a game to play um, on Sunday, I believe. And, um, you know, if that game doesn't come around, then it doesn't come around. I guess the message really um, is, is for Wales to beat Fiji first, beat them well. Um, and then if the weather does come in, then it doesn't matter because I, I believe they got a bonus point against Fiji having, without having the table in front of me that it would put them out of sight of Australia um, because obviously they get if the game against Uruguay was abandoned they'd get two points anyway for the draw so um, I guess the message is if they beat Fiji uh, and beat them well then it doesn't matter whether it rains, snows or sun shines you know it's, um, it's irrelevant so um, yeah the focus really is on, on beating Fiji well for the players um, like you said, we've had a couple of typhoon warnings in this World Cup and that haven't transpired. And this one does sound a little bit more serious, but you know, I guess it's just a case of waiting to see what happens. Basically, you can't control the weather, so beat Fiji would be the message to the players: beat them well, and then it, it doesn't really matter if um, if a typhoon hits or not. I suppose one final thing we should do is uh, get your prediction for the match. Mm. Yeah, I think I've been doing all right in this tournament. Off the top of my bad, head, but too bad. Yeah, um, yeah. Look, I'm confident that Wales are going to win this game. Um, I wonder where Fiji are psychologically. You know, it's their last game of the tournament. It, you know, like I said, they've had those defeats that, that will have seriously dented their, their morale and confidence and belief. I guess um, they are a dangerous side. I mean, look at that three-quarter line. God, that, that's a very big, powerful three-quarter line. Um, but Wales have just got too much quality. They're, they're too well organised. Um, they've got too much experience, uh, in my opinion, to let this game uh, get out of hand from their point of view. So, 
I fully expect, you know, they've started well in both games so far in this tournament. So let, I, I expect them to do that again. Um, it will be interesting, though, because like you said, they've had a long break. Robin McBride said when you're down your tools, sometimes it's difficult to pick them back up. So they've been guarding against that. Um, so I think Fiji will be stubborn, but I, I, I'd expect a bonus point win, to be honest with you. Uh, I think they'll probably grab a few tries of their own as well, mind you. Um, so I, if we're saying, probably, here we go again. This is where I take you through my thought process. Two early penalties for Wales. Uh, so that's six. I reckon we'll get four. four now. Well, could be a shout, actually. Uh, you get three points for it anyway, so we'll carry on. So six points, then four tries, 26, two conversions. There you are. Thir- I think they'll win 30 points to 12. I don't think Dan Big is going to be thrilled with you saying you're going to get two out of four conversions. Well, you know, some of them might be out wide. You never know what's going to happen, Benji. I mean, that, that's in the lap of the gods, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, here's hoping that you are three for three on your predictions. Um, Let's hope so. Uh, we'll probably hear from you again after the match when hopefully Wales will have secured their place in the quarterfinals. But until then, Matt, uh, have a good time out in Japan. Arigato. Uh, Hi, I'm Alwyn Jones, you're listening to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Okay, so we're joined now on the Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online columnist Mike Phillips. Mike, thanks for joining us uh, this afternoon. Yeah, good, mate. Good. Then, it's obviously last time we spoke to you, you backed Wales to uh, beat Australia, um, and that win came true. What did you make of uh, the way they played in that game? Um, Why you surprised me? Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, I thought it was outstanding. I mean, um, pretty good. I mean, from the get go, I mean, from the first kick off, uh, the counter rock, the ball that um, Australia took off the kick off, and from there, you know, they, they didn't. So what, what has impressed you the most about this um, this crop of players so far? Because obviously two wins from two and a half to the, the win over Georgia on the first game as well. Uh, moving into Fiji, what's been um, been the most impressive thing for you so far? Um, you know, and there's an excitement there and there's a buzz there now and they've got a momentum now into the next game. 
And uh, on that, then, you were su- surprised to see him pick his strong, uh, a strong side to face Fiji. Did you think he might rest a few players, or, or would that been too much of a gamble? Unfortunately, bring it up, Mike. But you, you were in the side that, that lost in the 2007 World Cup to Fiji. What, what were your memories of that sort of um, disappointing afternoon? talk this week about um, Wales having to shut down the space and time that, that the Fijians have on the ball. Is that really the key to, to playing against Fiji? Because, you know, if you give them too much space, they, they can cause chaos, can't they? Just finally, then, Mike, what uh, you got? You got it right uh, a few, well, two weeks ago. Now, what are you uh, predicting uh, for the Fiji game? 
Yeah, I was a few points off, but I mean... Um, oh, you weren't bad? I wasn't far away. No, I was pretty accurate. I thought I was pretty good. I had a bit of stick for that one, but no, I didn't so. Um, I think um, Wales, will, Wales will comfortably win this one. Um, but maybe 30, 37, uh, 12. Okay. So, no, 37, 37 10. Go on, and 37-10. So you expect your Fiji to be stubborn in the first half and then perhaps Wales to uh, to open up a little bit in the second half? Yeah, maybe Fiji will score a couple of tries and um, uh, yeah, yeah, and then Wales will, um, it'll be a tough game, but I'm sure Wales will um, All right. open up in the second half and, 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 and take the game. All right, brilliant. Listen, Mike, thanks as always for joining us. And uh, for, the, for the listeners out there, you can read Mike's column every week uh, in the Western Mail and on Wales Online. And we'll, uh, we'll speak to you after the Fiji game.